0: <laughs> Spot of gold. Little Johnny Paper frolics on the Autumn Mist and the Helena Fondly. It's Jackie Paper. I uh, replied to an Instagram robot using that whole speech, that whole story last night, and it was it was pretty close cool. two nights ago. And she's like, Where are you from? And I was like, Oh, I frolic in the Autumn, the autumn mist, And called it Humblee. And I just kept, I looked it up and just kept going with it. Those robots. She's like, Oh, that's so cool. Do you live alone?
1: Are we recording? Oh, yeah, we are. 148. Okay, cool. Oh, anyway, sorry. Jackie Paper, you hmm Land of Honolulu.
0: Yep. Robots, what are you talking to robots for? Because they, they hit you up. Do you, you get that? Is your Instagram private? No. Okay, so my, mine's not private, and uh, every couple days you get it like, you know, like. Oh, the bots. Big booty 873 started following you, and you look at her, and you're like, well, this girl's not it's just like beautiful girl pictures, and then they'll reach out to you and they'll be like, Hey, how are you? And, uh, and yeah, I've only ever got big people, there's robots. So this time I decided to have a little fun with it. And was it fun? Yeah, I mean, well, for me, but the, it, the thing that wasn't fun about it is you're talking to a robot, so they don't get the jokes. You know, the whole she didn't pick up on the robot didn't pick up on the whole uh, Jackie paper, yeah figured out
1: it. some tricks about how these mics work. If it's just pointed right at the corner, then the, your peas don't pop right into it. So I've, I've been doing it wrong the whole time. Welcome everybody to the show. Uh, we're, uh, me and Jeff here. This is Jeff Hilton. If you're listening, um, you've heard it. you've probably heard him talk before. If you're watching, this is the first time he's been on the video. Oh no, we did one more, we did one more. Doesn't matter. Now you can put a face to the name. Face to the name. Anyway, welcome to the show. It's, uh, what is the date today? We got... 12th. No, today's not... Tomorrow is, uh, the day it's released. (laughs) So it'd be the 13th. All right. I gotta start over. (sighs) Sorry, I don't have a lot of time today because I'm going to have lunch with somebody from the Patreon. At noon, she's coming to town and we're going to hang out. Right. Yeah. So I don't, I'll have like half hour, but that's enough time. Anyway, it is uh, Saturday, August 13th, 2022. And this is Ramble by the River. I'm your host, Jeff Nesbitt, and I'm joined in the studio today by Jeff Hilton. Hello. Hello, Jeff. And we're here to just introduce the episode featuring Rose Gerber of the band Rose Gerber and Sweet Relief. It's a good show. We talked about a bunch of stuff with infrastructure, which is odd. You might not expect that, but she works for the Oregon Department of Transportation in addition to being the front woman for Rose Gerber and Sweet Relief. And another band called Yellow something, Yellowbirds, called the Yellowbird Trio. So It's a female trio, trio of singers. So she's a busy lady. We talked about a lot of stuff and her boyfriend Jack was also there and he's a cool guy. It was a good show uh jeff i heard you
0: moved recently yeah i did how's that going uh well moving sucks but it's not uh that bad yeah moving from chinook to uh, north long beach alex mack owns the property he just bought a new house next to his and um yeah needed a tenant so making a making a move making a change it is a cool spot it's a beautiful spot
1: i went out and checked it out last night you got yourself a pond a lake
0: well, that pond is probably part of the lake, right? Well, the way I look at it is uh, once we, we have the boat there, I'm going to be able to drive my boat out of my little harbor down the channel out into the the deep water, the big lake. So there's three separate bodies. That's awesome. I think we're calling the pond. It's like Chase's Pond or something like that. Perfect. Yeah. No, How's great. she doing? Oh, she loves it. It's yeah, good, good place for dogs. Swimming all the time. Yep, she loves it. Just got to watch out. She don't get hit by a car. People fly down that road oh yeah yeah pretty yeah no dogs have got hit there before we won't say what your road is
1: but it's a it's a 25 mile an hour zone people go like 50 well here's the problem it's
0: posted 30 is it really posted 30 yeah that seems too fast which means people are going 35 it is too fast the general rule is 20 to 25 yeah from what we've all discussed but when it's posted 30 people go 35 when i was driving out of
1: there yesterday I paid close attention and it did feel like 25 was even too fast.
0: Yeah, you get, if you go 25, you'll get a couple looks like, I mean, there's zero mile. shoulder,
1: zero shoulder, pavement right up to people's yard. Mm-hmm. Little kids and dogs. Yeah, all, all over.
0: over. All over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, moving's, uh, moving thought, is hard. I thought it'd be real simple. I was like, I'm going to do a load for the shop, a load for the house, and then a couple dump runs and Bob's your uncle. But no, it didn't. Yeah. How long? How much is? How long has it taken you? How many loads? Just probably like four loads of stuff to the house, and then same amount of dump runs. I'm going to do another dump run today, but it's I got pretty much all out of there now. So, yeah, the worst part's over. Yeah, it was kind of sad when I went and grabbed the
1: my. I left my drill in your gym yesterday when um, we were taking down the chalkboard. It was kind of a bummer.
0: End of an era. There's something. There's something a little melancholy about seeing the, you know, like the shops a good example. Seeing it so empty and. Um, But she's going to go somewhere else. But yeah, end of an era, for sure. It was a good run. That was a good house. Yeah. Uh, Chinook's a great place to live. Um, Big spiders. Huge spiders. Well, the new house has the same issue. Alex Mack doesn't care about them. What? He makes friends with them. Walked to his pump house, and they're like all over. uh, Inside the pump house? Yeah. And he goes in there and doesn't kill them? I can't believe he even goes in there.
1: I I don't let him... Uh, Stay alive if they're in my
0: house or I guess out in the pump house, I'd let them live. But I have one of those uh bug assault guns, and uh, those big giant house spiders they they work really well, yeah. That's a wonderful product, yeah. I mean, like, shout out to bug assault, definitely. Have you ever tried to kill a garden spider with it? No, I haven't. I don't care. Garden spiders are so hardy, they're outdoor spiders, yeah. You can't kill them, like, the salt doesn't penetrate them, Uh, they'll take rounds, exoskeletons. Um, but those. Those other ones, you hit them and it like blows a leg off. Yeah, like a hobo spider mm-hmm. or the wolf spider. Yeah, the ones you don't want. They can't take it, the heat. Um. So yeah, can't have spiders in the house. Gonna get a cat. That's. Are you really getting a cat? Yeah, I'm gonna get. He's gonna, his name's gonna be Clyde. Clyde's be a great name for a cat. That's what I thought. Yeah, it was Clyde or Felix. We'll see. Nice. Um. That's it. That's all. It's yeah. I got back from Alaska and. Right on. Yeah, want to too easy for me to hide at the schnick house all alone so now i'm moving to a street with uh a big social scene on it people who know you uh-huh it's already taken a little uh i'm getting out of my comfort zone definitely but it's a good thing i'll be more sociable coaching uh fifth and sixth grade tackle football team oh really start monday yep no shit that's awesome yeah getting out of my shell a little bit gonna get involved oh that'll force you to just kind of
1: even on the days you don't want to do it, you have to still do it. Yeah, and that's the hardest part with coaching the youth sports. I've noticed is like the consistency is very sure. difficult.
0: Well, that's why uh, it's it's a. Uh, I've never coached anybody before, um, so I don't have. I got something to offer, but I've, as far as like how to coach and the organization of practice and how to uh, handle groups of kids and stuff like that, uh, it'll be a good. It'll be a good experience. It's hard.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. really hard. Um, Dealing with parents and cell phones and text mm-hmm. chains and all that stuff is very is difficult. I know, I'm already difficult. part of a group message. You know me and group
0: messages. I don't they have like. whole apps that you just get for that purpose, like so you can talk to your team. I'm going to have to get a new phone. Yeah, I'm going to have to get up to speed here with everything. Yeah, But it's exciting. Yeah. Do you, Are you going to have an assistant coach? Uh, no, Ryan Cadwall is the head coach. Oh, perfect. And then I'm the assistant. I don't know if there's a another one or not but oh, yeah that'll be fun he's a good coach yeah we get along great it'll be a yeah it should be a good time ryan's an excellent coach for kids yeah. he,
1: he's he'll be a good person to kind of learn from right because he's he's got the relationship part of it down
0: yeah he's, he's good with the parents and, yeah and he's been doing it long enough now to where uh i'll be able to see how it's done and and because like the the plan is just to keep doing it just to this be a stepping stone to other things i gotta do something i gotta change my ways because all the people that i was training uh bailed on me for calvin Oh, Calvin! shout out to you calvin you're calvin's the best you've been stealing clients from me left and right yeah um and i've been told that i might be a little too uh what's the word rough gruff gruff yeah i have this expectation that people already know how to work and and know the basics about how to move and stuff like that and uh when they don't it's hard for me i got to I got to dumb myself down a little Are bit you figure stupid? out how to Yeah, I got to figure out how to to get people to do it who haven't done stuff before. Yeah. Uh, it's a good opportunity for me to change change uh, what I'm doing. Totally. Are you trying to do that take more uh people on and get some training under your belt or is the coaching going to take over? I don't have I'm kind of doing it in a very broad sense right now and I'll kind of see how which direction it tends to point at more. But uh you know, yeah, my hobby's doing all the, the fitness stuff. and I, I saw Jake was doing, I think it was a frog frog pose when I walked up the other day. He was out in your, my brother was out in your shed doing a doing a frog pose. You know, guys can't help it. You, you hang around the shed long enough and pretty soon you're going to get on the hyper. Or I, that's what like I did yesterday.
1: And, you know. Oh, speaking of the reverse hyper, you really talked it up the last time you were on this show. And uh, I, di- I didn't really get around to using it until yesterday when I was at your, at your gym while we were putting the chalkboard up or dropping it off. And I hopped on there and didn't think much of it. It felt kind of good, but um, it wasn't that big of a deal, nothing groundbreaking. And then two hours later I was at home standing at the stove cooking dinner and I just like twisted in a weird way that popped my hip and it popped in a way that I have not felt for years, if ever, and it it was like a once in a lifetime pop. It popped, I felt a flush of blood or cerebrospinal fluid up into my brain my my like vision got brighter. Both my ears popped, and I felt like a flush. It was it was insane, and I think it's because something was but broke loose off of that reverse hyper. That's a good machine, man.
0: Yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah, I, um, I'm all all about it. I got uh, I don't have I've never had like a diagnosed back issue. Nothing like a, a slip disc or anything like that. But I'm 33, and everything I've done up to this point has all been manual labor. My back's got a lot of a lot of work out of it between the fishing and the grave digging and all the lifting i've done um and it's helped my back immensely and uh, you know i have a hard time thinking other people our age are going to have more miles on their back than me i mean if you got an injury or something like that that's one thing but it was re- re- invented by a man who broke his spine broke vertebrae i didn't know that and that's how he got back um so yeah it's uh, i can't i can't say enough about it. i'll be doing that till i'm till i'm dead
1: yeah it's it's good I can tell the traction in general is good for you, but that one with weight and everything in a controlled setting seems like it's and it does great. more
0: than just your spine. It does your like you said your hips and and uh, everything. Yeah, you have
1: to get all of it engaged too. Like I was having trouble at first getting my abs involved, mm-hmm. and then I had to like readjust and like pull myself into the machine. Yeah, you got to
0: hold yourself. Yeah, tight. You can't just let it hang. Uh, yeah, what a great. Uh, it's, it's so it's so yeah, simple it good. and and uh, yeah, I can't. I, I'm going to preach about it. So go get a reverse hyper or get on one or come to my house and get on it. Uh, While I've got you
1: guys here, I want to talk to you about something important. So if you're in this community, as you probably are, because most of my listeners, I believe, are, you've probably noticed all these yellow clusters of flowers along the roads and ditches and all those areas lately. It's called Tansy Ragwort. I'm just going to read this article that I wrote for the paper really quickly. Have you noticed the bright yellow flowers appearing in shaggy clusters along Pacific County's roads and in vacant lots recent weeks? No, that's fucking boring. I'm not going to do that. I just want to tell you guys, tansy ragwort, it's a plant. It's toxic. It has alkaloids that if they get into your body or the body of your children or pets, they will kill them if they get enough. So these are chemicals that plants make to protect themselves. And tansy ragwort smells like shit in addition to the fact that it's toxic. It looks also bad yeah it doesn't it doesn't look good i mean it is a flower so some yeah. people are like oh it's beautiful it's a flower but compared to like yellow flag it's it, ugly yeah and that's a that's a noxious weed too yellow flag iris but beautiful. it it is beautiful mm. and it's hardy and it's 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 not like uh i don't know tansy is a scrubby looking plant yeah it looks it looks scraggly yeah looks, scraggly is perfect it looks rough it. it's no good And so if it, if it ends up in horse pastures or cattle fields or anything where they do hay, hay is the worst because it animals don't generally eat it when it's in the field because it's tastes like shit. It's bitter, but that bitter taste goes away when it dries out. The alkaloids that are toxic remain in the plant and it gets chopped up in the hay and then animals eat it and die. So it's
0: important. It's a mandatory control weed here in this County. So since it's mandatory that we do something about it, if you have some tansy, what's the best way, uh pull it out of the ground herbicides are just a that's what i go with i just pull it just pull it you got to get that king root is that what it's called taproot yeah Tap the main
1: root. main root it's deep and it's strong but the bigger the plant the bigger the root uh but i i've yet to come across one i couldn't pull
0: yeah no and it's almost like the bigger they are they're almost a little easier you have something a little more more to of a grab handle. onto some of those small ones you pull them off right at the top and they break and you yeah it. like
1: trying to pull dandelions mm-hmm. it's no good which are totally edible by the way dandelions taste like shit though yeah, just like tansy but they're not toxic. Yeah. So pull that tansy. Dandelions are kind of pointed like teeth. Didn't know it. Yeah. Learned something new today. Yeah, but you can't eat dandelion. It's It works in salads and stuff. You just need something sweet with it, like
0: a, a nice bib lettuce. I know they make wine. Or, or a, a romaine wine. Oh, yeah. I used to read about it all the time in the uh, the J.R. Tolkien books. The What are the ones with the animals? Like Those, the, Redwall. Redwall. Those weren't Tolkien. Those were... Uh, Someone else. Oh, uh, well, who brian jocks brian jocks yep, yep. or is it jacques, jacques oh i don't know it's french french canadian yeah it does seem like it but those were good books and they always were always i remember they would always drink like uh dandelion wine and they always yeah. made it sound so delicious and strawberry cordial yeah the strawberry cordial <laughs> i was a salamander strawn. oh yeah fan. i like those badgers i like sunflash the mace oh yep yep yep. he was a badger too he got that big old club i know the the uh the weasels had him mm-hmm. under control for a while and then he broke free with his big club and those were fantastic books. Yeah. I preferred those over the Tolkien books. Yeah, I didn't really read the... I read those, The Red Wall and The Hardy Boys. Oh, I loved The Hardy Boys. For the... there's In fifth grade, we had like a read-a-thon or something like, you know, some system where you read a book and you get a point for it. AR, Accelerated Reader. That's right. Yeah, I liked a lot. I liked that
1: program a lot. I was... I got third place. Shout out, mm. Matt Bellinger and Laura um, Mesa. They both beat me. Well, I mean, those two were...
0: I'm not surprised. They're geniuses. Yeah. So it's okay. I I didn't even crack the top three. Man, I really thought I was up there. Well, you know, we let you feel like you were good. I read... My strategy... A lot of people's strategy that I noticed was to go for smaller, easier books, and they would read volume. Like, a lot of books. Like, those Hardy Boys books were not a lot of points, but you could read it real quick. I went for... Like, I remember I read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, It's like 20 points. It was a, a bunch of points. And I actually was able to read it and understand it and all that um i i didn't crack the top three really i no i don't think so damn but that's okay man you probably got fourth
1: place i've been telling people that for years it's all just been a sham Hmm. well it was i mean it's it's all true you didn't tell them that you beat matt bellinger did you oh well no they wouldn't have believed that even if i had said that no way (laughs) um do you remember how he used to correct the teachers no <laughs> he was correcting the teachers all the time yeah good for him <laughs> yeah, I thought,
0: yeah i thought that was quite <laughs> some of those funny. teachers needed correcting yeah you're right
1: well i mean if you're wrong you're wrong that's
0: true i yeah. cur- i correct i'd correct the teacher if they if they're wrong but i'd try to do it politely i actually think that's a problem in this country's being able to admit when you're wrong it's, it's, hard. People, it's hard what's the problem what's the problem i don't think there's enough of it oh yeah um
1: yeah, a lot of people don't want to admit they're wrong. I don't. I don't. Actually, I, that's not true. I actually kind of like it. It's kind of cleansing. But I try to. Yeah, actually, neither of us are really. Uh, we don't struggle with that. We admit we're wrong a lot. If anything, I admit when I'm wrong when I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah. I no, think that's we got should rethink to this you. argument. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm making a new theme song. Did I tell you that?
2: Mm-mm.
1: I'm gonna put like some some little clips of like vocals from the show with cool little clips from movies or or something that I, that just sounds good and put it into it like a rap beat and make a make a theme song that's not just like some guy's song that i took off the internet yeah make sure. i can really use a change of scenery that song the the mm-hmm. one that's actually the theme song for the show you may have never actually heard that song yeah, but... because it's it's you'd have to actually listen to the show to hear it but the because i don't play it in real life when we're here so there's a theme song and it's it's nothing uh special i just pulled it randomly one day because i was like i gotta get this shit on the yeah, internet something. and now it's been a year and a half and i'm like i gotta get
0: something more unique so i'm gonna make one you're pretty good with the the musical stuff you've done up till now is always pretty good so i'm excited to hear the new theme song i'm sure it'll be aces i think you're you're being sarcastic but i i'll take it I'll say this. I sound sarcastic, but I'm not being sarcastic. That child rap you did not too long ago? Don't remember it. Oh, well, you should because it was epic.
1: Well, let's get to the show. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, So get out there, guys. Kill your tansy for christ's sake get rid of that tansy throw some gloves on and pull that yeah wear gloves don't get the sap on your skin it's all toxic all parts of the plant roots flowers pollen all of it even like don't eat honey that's been uh made around tansy because if bees were getting the pollen from the tansy and you eat that honey so just be careful it's not worth it not worth it Pull pull your tansy pull your tansy all right thank you guys for tuning in enjoy the show without further ado please enjoy this interview with rose gerber
2: I could really use a change of scenery yeah. Everybody's smoking all the greenery yeah. Close the matches, they were handed down to me But I'm still fly, I'm still fly, I know I'm still fly, I'm still fly, let's go It could all be worse, I could be a hater like you It could all be worse Close to make the man but that poison's gonna chew you Which is with your chest now, say it with your yeah, chest I'm now I'm young, I'm free, can't nobody take
3: I uh, agree. Uh, I'll take one of those,
4: guys. I will have the more beer-flavored one. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Next.
3: Yeah, this is like a creamsicle. It's so good. Yeah. Mm. Love the lamp. Yeah. yeah,
1: they're cool. I've always thought they were cool.
3: It matches your decor as well.
1: They're extremely fucking dangerous. All
3: right. Oh, really? Fire <laughs> hazards? Yeah. yeah, there's
1: a very hot light bulb <laughs> right underneath there. Okay, so feel free to adjust the mic however you need to. I figure, um, so this is only the second musical guest I've had. So um, last time we talked a little bit, he played a song, talked a little bit, played a song, talked a little bit, played a song. So, and it worked out pretty well. But if you have a particular setup that you like to do structure-wise, if you want to play a bunch, you can play a bunch. All right. Totally open.
3: All right. Well, we can just feel it out. I'm, uh, I'm I'm not set on any particular structure, so.
1: Also, the headphones are completely optional. Okay. You don't have to wear them. Um, some people like them, some people don't.
3: I brought you a couple. Um, this right is on. our our latest EP. Um, this is what we used to be called,
1: Dirty Uncle Rose. Yeah,
3: I like that. Uh, <laughs> it's our first album, uh, so but it's it's kind of a limited run, and so you have a collector's item right there. Right? Right we don't call ourselves that anymore, and we only made like about a hundred of those. So.
1: Was there actually a guy in the band that looked like this? Nope. Well, that's uh that's perfect thing. My
3: old guitar player drew that as our kind of logo temporarily. Uh, well, so uh yeah and and I'm technically the dirty uncle rose in that scenario, so yeah. Is
1: that a, a like a non sequitur just coming out of nowhere or is that a real nickname of yours? Uh
3: it, it, it there comes uh, there's a story that goes with it. Um it's how we got our the band name was we were in a practice and uh um, um like a podcast story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would take a good five minutes to relate. All How right, do I? let's
1: throw these on. Okay, just spin go. them around until they seem like yeah, they make okay. sense. Yeah. Got Every it. single person has that exact same, same problem. In, including me on a regular basis. They go. just kind of, it's like a Rubik's Cube.
3: Yeah, there we go. There we go. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um. try to talk into the mic as much as possible and keep it a rep out of, you know, fist away from your face more or less and wherever's comfortable is really fine because I can dial you in was while you're talking
3: Elk that
1: you know it damn the Pacific Northwest baby nice rack got a real one <laughs> <laughs> I just found that <laughs> on just laying in the grass what yeah I was I was driving to work and I looked out over the, the edge of the bank most of my drive to work is along Willowfall Bay and on the other side of the highway was a a slough and I saw it and I plucked it and
3: I got it that's really cool
1: they're cool. I mean, they shed them every year, so they, they're. Ev- I mean, they're everywhere. Really, not everywhere, but a lot mm. of people have them.
2: There's
1: right. people who make knife handles and coat mm-hmm. racks and stuff out of them, so people go looking for them.
4: That's really cool. While they're hunting for mushrooms, also elk antlers.
1: That's. I found a few that way too. Yeah. Mm. Actually, never one that big though. That one I just found driving by. It looked like a weird shaped stick. <laughs> like that doesn't look like a normal stick. But you know, I know plant. Morphology more than elves, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I knew it looked off. Anyway, um, so that does sound good on your ears? Everything's fine? Everything's yeah. good? That's All right. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Uh, today in the studio, we have Rose Gerber of Rose Gerber and Sweet Relief, also known way back in the day as Dirty Uncle Rose.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: which I just found out.
3: That was our first band name.
1: We've also got Jack here. Jack's Rose's boyfriend, and he's... Just sitting over here, hanging out, holding the guitar, probably a purse too, if we're, if we're being honest.
3: <laughs> yeah. He's always a good roadie. Right on. Yeah.
1: So, welcome to the show. Uh, you're in town to play at, is it, where are you playing?
3: Fort George Brewery.
1: Fort George. That's what I thought. Didn't want to be wrong, but I should have taken a shot.
3: It always just take a, take a risk. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. It's great to have you here. Uh. I haven't seen music at Fort George before, but I, I've heard it's very, very good.
3: Yeah, they've a really good. Great venue set up. Um, They got crafty during COVID and they took one of their brewing buildings next to the main building and turned it into more of a venue space with spaced out tables and they serve food and drinks out there. So it's really nice. Yeah.
1: Right on. So
3: where are you from? Originally, uh, born in Boston and kind of lived between Massachusetts and Vermont for most the first like early part of my life. Yeah. I moved out here in about 2008 to Portland.
1: 2008? Yeah. Lots changed in Portland since 2008. Mm -hmm. You're still living in Portland now?
3: I am, yes, in North Portland um, and uh, have been on some short excursions. I lived in North Carolina briefly since I moved out here, but um, for the most part, been here the whole time. And yeah, it's it's absolutely the whole city has gone through a lot of um, iterations since I've been here. Where are you from? I
1: am born and bred here. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're sitting in Chinook right now, mm. and I'm from like 20 miles away, actually less, like 15 miles away up the peninsula. So okay. I don't know how much you know of the geography, but it's, it's a really skinny peninsula. It's two miles wide at the widest, about 30 miles long. Willapa Bay on the inside, ocean on the outside. So it's like a little bunch of little small communities all smashed together.
3: Cool. Yeah, it's beautiful here. I, w- I wouldn't be sad to live out here.
1: No, it's good. I didn't realize how nice it was until I left and came back.
3: <laughs> That's when kinda you're like a kid, the story. You're just yeah. Used to it.
1: yeah. But it's a it's a really nice place. Where yeah. are you guys staying?
3: Uh the brewery is really nice and they put they give bands a hotel room over at um gosh, it's it's right on the entrance to the bridge on the Astoria side. Uh one of those Riverwalk, I think it's called. Mm. Yeah.
1: Cool. There's there's some really neat hotels over there. Yeah. Cool restaurants too. Mm-hmm. Astoria is definitely a gem on the Oregon coast. It's yeah, very very neat place. I agree. So, do you tour often, or are you mostly well just playing Portland?
3: Yeah, tour. Not so much touring because, well, my bandmates, including myself, we all have like day jobs, and a couple of them have kids, and uh, touring is is a harder thing to do. We're mostly in our well, we're all in our forties at this point. Um, uh, though one of our bandmates is a little bit older, and uh, it's it's not as so like I'll take them out on the weekends, <laughs> so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't get much further than than Washington or Oregon. Um, but I have a trio, a uh, uh, harmony. Went like there are three of us ladies who do a harmony trio. And, like a Dixie Chicks type thing. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, uh, a Chicks. I think they call themselves the Chicks now. Oh,
1: they dropped a Dixie. Yeah, <laughs> Is cool. there's some associations with Dixie.
3: Yeah, I guess that was kind of during the like kind of BL movement. They they've been that tearing direction. down statues
1: and breaking off pixies.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so, yeah, similar to, uh like similar to like First Aid Kit or, you know, that kind of vibe. Um
1: First Aid Kit, I don't know that one.
3: Oh, you'd love if you if you like harmony and you love their two Swedish sisters who oh, cool. um are just otherworldly in their their vocalizations.
1: The I checked right. out your music uh getting ready for this interview and it's it's I liked it. It reminded me a little bit of Nico Case oh, or right. like Thank the you. the New Pornographers. Yeah. Similar vibe who cool. I used to really listen to them a lot. I liked them a lot. Nice. I saw them at or actually it was just Nico, but I saw her at Sasquatch Music Festival and like 2006. Okay. There's a giant hailstorm. Oh. Right in the middle of her show and wow. she played like a song and a half through it and it was hailstones like the size of marbles. Wow. Have you ever been to the Gorge Amphitheater out there? Not
3: yet. That is on my list.
1: It's a cool spot. Yeah. It's really cool. But yeah. you could see thunder and lightning cracking oh. down the gorge. Wow. It was really cool. People just scattering trying to get shelter.
3: Yeah.
1: It was actually pretty dangerous. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> all
1: those people out on a big open wet plain.
3: Yeah, <laughs> lightning rods all but
1: Something I'll never forget—that's for sure. Yeah, Hailstone's bouncing up and hitting her in the face, and she's still standing. still playing. Like, yeah. What a champion! Yeah, she's like that's yeah. a rock star right there.
3: Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, I would love to see her there. She's yeah. got an incredible voice.
1: So, who are your some of your musical inspirations?
3: Uh, this kind of runs the gamut. Uh, I would say um, I'm a big fan of Ryan Adams, um, like Patty Griffin. I would, I'm just kind of thinking of people who kind of initially maybe inspired my my songwriting or sound. Springsteen um, and Tom Petty and just kind of like... Tom, Tom Petty. Yeah. Just kind of like, I like a good healthy dose of like rock and roll, classic sounding rock and roll with a little like a uh, sous of country or, you know, like just a little, just that down-home American... Like
1: I feel like there's a lot of m- nostalgia mixed in there. Yeah. Tapping into something that just kind of feels good.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All those artists kind of hit that vein.
3: Mm-hmm. My, my dad and mom both were, like, big into music in the 60s and 70s, so I grew up on a lot of uh, kind of older folk and Van Morrison and uh, some of that, like, psychedelic Jefferson Airplane, Paul Simon, you know, just... Uh,
1: yeah, that's kind of some of the stuff I really like, getting into the little more... Uh, The psychedelic stuff was good. Paul Simon, pretty good. Um, So who do you listen to now? Like what – I feel like musical taste is so weird. It almost follows like a pretty predictable course through development. Mm. Like during certain ages, you're just like hungry for new music. And then at a certain point, it becomes actually like hard to find new music because everything sounds the same to me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. until you get into it, until mm. you kind of start to learn the nuance of, of a new genre. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know how much you listen to trap, but when I first got into that, I was like, what is this? It doesn't even sound like music. Or dubstep. Something that's just, like, completely different than what you're used to. It And then, ap- but, like, you, you have friends or something who, who listen to it, so you're exposed to it and forced. Mm. Uh, all of hip-hop, actually, is how that happened with me, mm. um, but... You eventually start to learn it's like speaking another language, mm-hmm. you know you kind of learn it and it, it starts to sound good, and before you know it, you're like, oh i I do get it, I do get it i and now I can you know enjoy it, yes, but do you have anything like that that's a music you really enjoy that isn't actually what you play
3: uh definitely yeah um i will I would say that it's kind of more like um and that alternative well, i guess what used to be called alternative it's like one of the thing about the music like making landscape these days is to find music you have millions of options so it's not just you turn like you know when we were kids you turn on the radio and you listen to whatever's on the radio mostly or someone turns you on to a cool new album that's underground those were kind of the two ways you discover music now it's almost paralyzing the choice so the way I mostly learn about new music these days is through people who tip me off to a band or I see some like musician I like talk about another group or have one open for them that I like. Um, But I, back almost 10 years ago now, I was in Teach for America. I was was about in my early 30s and I was teaching with a bunch of early 20-somethings who had just gotten out of college. If I
1: don't remember to ask you about this again, come back to this because I I would love to talk about Teach for America. Really all of the education stuff.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I'm happy to do that. Um, And uh, they were, you know, into a bunch of music I just wouldn't have some, but not my favorite. But a lot of uh, I got turned on to a lot of stuff I like now because um, I ended up being in a band with one of those teachers, who's still ten years my my junior. So he's always turning me on to stuff that you know his kind of generation is more tuned into. So bands like Delta Spirit, Lord Huron, um, The Dawes, The National, uh, like lots of. I like I'm, The National. Yeah, the more more modern uh not so modern now, but like the you know, war on drugs, those kind of yeah. Rock rock alternative garagey bands. Um the fleet foxes.
1: I right? love fleet foxes. Yeah. Uh yeah. There's so yeah, I totally know what you mean. There's so much choice and there's so many like micro genres and so much space for all the different artists that you really like people could have a full successful career where they, like, are considered a star to a lot of people, and there's a whole other sect of people who has no idea who they are. Yeah. It, or, like, that's, like, a lot of the country western versus mm-hmm. uh, just standard pop. The, yeah. The ones, the stuff that doesn't
3: overlap. Yeah. People don't have any idea. It's true. Um, Damien Damian is one of those people. I don't know if you've ever...
1: That sounds familiar.
3: Um, he's another... I'm um, one of my top kind of favorites right now.
1: Um, You're making me realize how... Um, I don't know what the musical equivalent of being well read is, but I'm not well listened right now. I, I have, <laughs> I've spent the last two years po- listening to podcasts yeah. and trying to learn that. But I, uh, yeah, music is so important. I really think that it, it's they should really get it back in schools. But um, yeah, that'd be nice. I bet you have some opinions on that, being a musician and an educator at some point in your life.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, what's your day job now?
3: I work for the Department of Transportation for Oregon. Um, As a uh, public outreach and media manager for a large infrastructure project called the I five Rose Quarter Improvement Project,
1: I know that project. (laughs) Do you?
3: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. A lot of people are starting to get to know it these days because it's going to be built right through the heart of Portland. Yeah.
1: Oh wow! So it's—is it going north or south? Like, are they working their way up, or is it patchwork together? How does that project work?
3: Oh, you're asking me all the big questions and talking points uh, that I have gotten to practice lately. Um, It is uh, kind of a phased construction model so it won't all be built at once it'll be built in phases a lot of that has to do with uh like building a smart project that has a lot of time to inform itself and budget itself well because it is pretty big undertaking but uh, it comes in three phases with some early work packages and then a main construction package for the final deal which could go up to 2030 so it, yeah. That actually seems pretty quick to me. Yeah, and it's not slated to to barely begin construction until the end of 2023. Um so it is a it's a big project. There's going to be a highway cover uh, at the end of it over like a whole new neighborhood essentially knitting back together the old street grid. So
1: Oh, so they're putting the road underground? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So are are they doing those green bridges? Is that what they're called? I don't know what they're called. But there's spaces where the highway goes under and there's a, a covering over the top that they plant all kinds of native plants and stuff so animals can cross?
3: Um, that would be a basic version of what is being considered for this uh, cover. This cover is going to be more like a neighborhood.
1: So it'll be developed, not green. They
3: develop a land uh, with buildings up to three or potentially six stories, depending on what kind of budget and uh, wow uh, project scope they come up with.
1: Is it going to be Earth, though, or cement like pavement and, and steel like will it be
3: uh it, it'll be pavement and steel but that they, they can still create um from what i understand uh green spaces as well like parks and things so that's cool uh, the, the actual what's going to go on the, the cover hasn't been determined yet because that's going to be a community-led process hopefully between the city of portland and uh, a lot of the community uh interests that of the, of the black community, particularly in Portland, that was harmed by the initial construction of the highway in the 60s. It literally, they had settled there after. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the Vanport flood. Mm-mm. So, the big flood that was largely a lot of a bunch of um, black family and white families died in um, after some levees broke that people didn't get enough notice from this like very shoddily constructed town they all lived in to help build the ships there the black folks that were displaced by that flood moved to this town in uh, kind of area in Portland called Albina built very thriving neighborhood with black businesses and clubs and, and, you know, school, like there was a whole thriving community there. Uh, and then along came the city and said, Hey, we want to put our big highway through your neighborhood. You don't have a choice. We'll buy out your homes, but you got to get out of here. And so they, they built I-5. You, you can see before and after pictures, it's like, Literally just, like, on top of on it. On top, through it. Yeah, ripped up all the houses. And you, when you're around the the highway now, you see the old vestiges of those neighborhoods. You see, like, a random beautiful old house, like, kind of a stack, you know, stacked between two overpasses, you know. Yeah.
1: I actually always think of that's one of the unique things about a lot of old cities. But Portland in particular, that's the one I've been around the most. And, yeah, you do see that, like, old craftsman style, really neat old houses just tucked away between two, like, a Seven Eleven and... Uh, you know, a gas station or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I just heard a thing on a podcast the other day about a, a really common thing that they did during, like, dam construction was to build them along cities that were predominantly black in similar situations where they'd settled there and flood flood the cities. And just, like, so there's several of these cities. One of them was in Central Park in New York. Mm. And uh, they, to build the park there, where there's, I think there's a lake or a pond, there was a, once a thriving black predominantly black city so this actually came from a show called the amber ruffin show and it's a great clip i'm gonna put a link in the show notes so just go to the show notes of this episode and click the link and it will take you right to the video i highly recommend it it was pretty eye-opening and i really think it was a good video so check it out
3: it's more common than people realize and i don't know if you've been kind of hearing from pete bootages like they have these new grants that actually are a department of Oregon our Department of Transportation is going to apply to right now. It's called Reconnecting Community Grants, and it's actually addressing that very thing where um, to reconnect communities that were displaced by infrastructure projects over the decades. So there is that um, ability to kind of innovate and find ways to bring infrastructure projects that serve not just the community that's now there, but, like, hopefully make things a little more just and bring back some equity to the to the folks who are displaced.
1: That would be great because there's some parts of Portland that are just really in need of some, some help. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. But there's also some really great spots that were just a couple years ago great and now have been kind of damaged by the pandemic and the economic hardship and uh, problems with homelessness and things like that. I hope that they can come up with some solutions for that because yeah. that's pretty shocking when you when you don't go there often and then you go there and it's like oh man mm-hmm. is that something that ODOT is is worried about or is it that he, are they even talking about that you have any idea
3: well I mean yeah ODOT is of course worried about it I mean there's seems like it's right in their face yeah I mean there are folks who live you know along the highways that they manage and and they are very concerned and I find ODOT to be a very sympathetic empathetic group of folks who who don't Want to see the homelessness epidemic the way it is, but
1: Oregon leadership in general seems very bleeding heart,
3: yeah, like I, compared
1: I, to a lot of other places.
3: It's true. Uh, whether or not they're good at executing programs <laughs> to manage it, that's this, not always effective. It's not always the, the like the thing that fixes. But I will say that like oh yes, it's on ODOT's radar. They don't. They're an agency that builds roads for the most part, so they can't fix the homelessness problem. But yeah. they're they're always game from what I've seen to work with other agencies. I don't even to, mean like know, as
1: a so much as a community service more i'm talking like on a logistics issue like how do you clean a road that has a you know a small community on it
3: right yeah and that's kind of like where i, I can't really speak to it too strongly but i think they, they kind of have to coordinate with um the police yeah. and other institutions yeah Ooh. it is it's hard it's a sticky wicket
1: yeah that's yeah. not one i would want to have to deal with yeah anyway uh, so you said you were in Teach for America tell me a little bit about that
3: uh, I was in the Corps from 2012 to 2014 and uh, served in eastern North Carolina it's a rural area there right above what they call the triangle like Raleigh-Durham Chapel Hill area and um, I had Finished grad school during the Great Recession, essentially, and was out of career options, just couldn't find a job. So I'm like, I'll go be a teacher, try that out for a little bit.
1: Where'd so, you go to grad school for?
3: Uh, master's in public administra- administration and oh, nonprofit wow. management. So, just No wonder of- you
1: didn't want to talk about homelessness. You know the game.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, went and taught and uh, kind of did it as a way to find my way into some career, whether it be teaching or not. But it That's a
1: noble one. It calls a lot of people who just don't know what they want to do and they're just like, I can always teach. Yeah. That's one that will always feel feel good in the soul.
3: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, it was a it was a very challenging but rewarding experience. More challenging sometimes than rewarding. But um got to teach English and world history to high schoolers. So
1: Oh, high schoolers. That one's yeah. rough.
3: <laughs> yeah it was it had its own set of challenges that's it's like a trade-off young young kids you can't have complex conversations with the older kids you can but they also don't have the fear of God in them about you so or anybody or anybody they're yeah.
1: dealing with abuse like crazy and these are these are high need areas right
3: yeah um yeah I mean I would say it's um you know they're definitely up against more social challenges than your average bear but um also they're just teenagers in the way you'd expect them to be still s- kids still yeah with uh, short short-sighted brains that don't understand the future of their consequences yeah <laughs> or of their actions i should say
1: yeah yeah i know that game
3: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: it's definitely a, a real thing yeah. the teenage boy brain and, and girl mm-hmm. but uh, the boy brain seems to act faster and and more irrationally
3: yeah i definitely had more uh issues with the, the male students sometimes than i did with the female. so
1: yeah. yeah hey would you mind setting that on that thing mm. right there so we don't get the ring you bet perfect <clears throat> um yeah i actually have a personal interest in hearing about your teach for america experience because i signed up for teach for america the my last my senior year of college and i went through the whole process of getting in and i got in and i got assigned i didn't end up going because i had no way to support myself from, like, March to August when the mm. job actually started. Mm-hmm. And they don't pay a lot anyway. But I was going to end up going to Memphis, Tennessee to teach first grade. Okay. And it was – I was – I don't know. It was kind of a bittersweet thing. I ended up getting a job that I, I loved after that. So it I was glad in a way that I didn't go. But I was always curious. I always wondered what it would have been like. And I always heard horror stories about just, like – like you said, most of the kids are great, but because the they are in high need areas that you, every once in a while you get those random kids who are just like uncontrollable or, or, or are, are dangerous and um, it becomes a very difficult job very quickly. And education is always difficult. My wife's a teacher and it's it really never seems all that easy. Um, yeah. Do, do you ever, uh, so after Teach for America, you just were done with teaching?
3: Um, yeah, I, I thought about Teaching more, um, but as I said, I was kind of in my early thirties when I went when I started, um, and I was I res- realized how much energy, frankly, teaching takes out of you, and didn't really have much more to give. Um, after that, ex- two years of really intensive like learning curve, and still they say it you have to teach a good five years before you actually feel like you know how to teach, and I just didn't see myself being able to get over the hump in serving the students. That I, the way I wanted to serve them if I was going to stick around. So um, I also almost got another job in Texas teaching, and I forwent it and went to Oregon, back to Oregon, where I uh, went into nonprofits again, um, but also ended up working at a, a tuition free private middle school for low income students in Portland for a few years, and that was kind of nice because I got to do education. Without the teaching, and I, I was a fundraiser, like, a, and worked in de, nonprofit development for that.
1: Oh, cool! School. So that's a little mix of education with the public administration. Yeah, that's awesome. I bet that was kind of nice. It was. How'd you make the move over to ODOT?
3: Uh, eventually, I ended up working at a transportation that was a transportation nonprofit that served people who couldn't get around, a lot of medical trips and low-income people and shuttles and things got folks from point A to point B in rural areas and. That was like my foray into transportation as a service as for, you know, vital, vital service for as a, like more of a human right. Um, and then um,
1: do you do consider that a human right, like the ability to get from point A to point B.
3: I would put it in that category. Yeah, because I think, you know, if you're if you're going to at least if you're going to ask people to live in a modern society where you have to, you know, get to a job to be part of it.
1: Go to court,
3: pay rent, go to yeah whatever it is that makes you a participant in that functioning society. That means being able to get around in a way, you know, it's it's inequitable if only some people have cars and some people don't. And there's only so many houses, right, that you can live in. So in some ways, it's like if you're going to ask people to be part of that social contract, be providing them the opportunity to be part of it. By getting around is kind of a vital. It's like one of those Maslow's hierarchies in a way.
1: One of the lower argue. parts of the pyramid, probably too survival.
3: Yeah, if you know, when I worked at the nonprofit that f- provided transportation for folks, it was people who needed to get to a di- diabetes appointment maybe every day or dialysis. They didn't have a car because their rent was too expensive based on their Medicaid or you know their their limiting in- income, which was subsidized. Um, and they couldn't rely on family members all the time to get them there. They and and a car itself is very expensive to maintain, as we all kind of know, and to acquire and to acquire. So um, you know, it's, for those folks, it was a life or death matter getting to that that health service without a car. You know, is a it's a pretty tricky tricky thing to do if if you're all of a sudden vehicleless and there's no bus that runs within a half a mile of your home and you can't even walk to it because you're maybe medically incapable of doing so.
1: Big problem in rural areas.
3: Mm -hmm. And not even, doesn't even have to be that rural. It could be in a kind of more of a sprawly suburban town right outside. There's a
1: lot of people. There's a lot of roads, but not as many buses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever lived without a car? I have, yeah. How long? About a year, what, what kind of a city situation were you in?
3: It was a very bikeable Portland city. Okay, <laughs> it was Portland. Okay. I, lived, I lived. So by, by choice. Somewhat. I was actually more low income myself um, when I was in school. And,
1: yeah, so save money with it. And yeah. also Portland's a good city for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, the reason I ask, actually, what about you, Jack? You ever had to live without a car? Where you had, yeah, go for it. Uh, nope. I've, uh, Here, pull that thing up. You know how to use it. It's a, got the karyoid pattern on.
4: Uh, No, I uh, always had a car. I lived in uh, LA when I was growing up. So if you didn't have a car, you weren't doing anything. You weren't working. You weren't being part of anything.
1: The reason I ask is just because I've, I've had to live without a car a few times and the difference in what life is like is so profound. Like you live in another reality. Life moves at a different pace. Like if you're just walking or biking and um, yeah, it's, I, I really like what you said about how transportation is almost a human right. It's it's something that you should we should provide to everybody so that everybody can be operating in the same reality. Like just a just being a poor person in general sucks a lot. So to have a city that cares about you enough to get you around to get you to your doctor's appointments, um, sure they don't provide you healthcare. I mean they can't do everything and get your life together, but. You know, they care about you enough to make sure you can get to where you need to go. Uh, I think that's important. I think it's really cool. So I commend you. Um, I think that that is like the perfect attitude for government to take is like, I I, I think that government officials, they get a really bad rap for um, not caring. And I've worked in government a lot. And I see a lot of people who care very much, who feel attacked all the time, like the public hates them. And it's... I, I don't know. I feel that way a lot of the time. I do feel like the government is hated by the public most of the time. And it's because uh, the people at the higher up places over history have done, you know, heinous things. But, you know, smaller branches of government, people taking care of the roads and things like that are, are not doing a whole lot of heinous acts.
3: Yeah. A lot of the people working in your department or my department, or ODOT or whatever, they're they're your neighbors. They're people who live across the street from you and care about your roads as much as you do. It's it's more like, um, like you said, the, the kind of bigger systems that feel like the government's disconnected from you and that you don't see your tax dollars doing what you're thinking they're doing or knowing where they're going. Someone came up with a really great solution at one point to, in your tax, um, when, you've, when you file taxes— the irish should give us they said that it'd be great if they could give us like a report of where your taxes went last year and you can see like this much went to the military this one much went to infrastructure this much and and if we all saw that i think we'd all maybe want to participate a little more i think that's the other part of it is we don't we don't feel like the government is us yeah if we voted a lot more as a country or if we ran for office more or, or plugged into our local politics a little more i think we'd feel more like our government was us it's easy to feel like the government's your enemy when you Cuz
1: it's supposed to feel like us. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't I, I think you're right it doesn't to a lot of people. Yeah. I think that's yeah, that's a very good idea that we could benefit a lot from as a public. It would be to get a report of what our tax dollars go to. I think that like either we like it and like we like what the report says and then we're more connected, we're more supported, we feel more heard or we don't like it and people get more involved with government. And um or we really, really don't like it so much that everyone's shocked and appalled and then the government has a bit of a pickle on their hands. So I I worry that it's the third scenario and that's why we don't have a... Just throw us a pie chart, you know, a quick pie chart. You could do it in PowerPoint. That's all we really need. We just want to know where the money's going. But yeah, and then on top of that, I don't think a lot of people would read much more than a pie chart. It's, I mean, who finds the time to read all these bills and things? It's even the people who are passing these things... There's there are hundreds of pages, sometimes thousands. It's crazy. I don't sometimes it's it's hard to fathom how it all stays working. Mm. Like but it does. It works fairly well. People, I mean, the government is not perfect, but they're good at a few things. <laughs> Getting people checks. They're very good at that. Usually on time. They're good uh, The roads thing. I have been concerned about the roads um just because of I mean, we've heard since the 90s about infrastructure problems. And it's it's an obvious like stuff falls apart. Entropy exists in you know the road systems. But do you have any idea if there are any kind of like federal programs for for really beefing up the beefing up the infrastructure in the next near any near future? Like they talked about during the campaign.
3: Yeah. So when um, Biden got into office, one of the first things he was able to push through the very narrowly democratically controlled Congress with the filibuster. Uh, they still, with the Republican, enough Republicans were able to pass the large infrastructure bill that went through in 2021.
1: So it's, so what was on that?
3: So that's like a huge spending bill um, that is basically giving millions of dollars to major cities to and States. Um, Every state was allocated a significant amount of funding to fix a lot of their outstanding bridge bridges, bridges that need are like, you know, about to fall into the rivers and, um, oh, did you see that one in Yellowstone? I saw videos of things happening there. Yeah. Crazy
1: that thing! It was a gigantic bridge that went just went into the river.
3: Yeah, I did yeah. see that. But one. I mean,
1: it was a very unusual weather situation. Same, same. It wasn't a bad bridge. It yeah, was a yeah. it was a really aggressive weather.
3: Yes, yes. Yeah. That's a whole another bill that probably should get passed at some point. Um, a climate bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I'm sorry to report, it's not going to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, there is. Um, there is definitely the most money that's been spent on infrastructure in the last, I think it's been like 30 years or so. It's a long time. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I went, and in Oregon, our Department of Transportation is getting a lot of that. There's a sign on the Storia bridge right now that just says that they're doing work, and that's probably from the infrastructure bill.
1: Oh, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. That bridge is so cool. That's, it's like a cool such bridge. a neat piece of little coastal, I don't even know what you'd call it but culture it's mm-hmm. its like you see it on postcards and stuff iconic. all over the place yes thank you it's iconic mm-hmm. um, speaking of iconic would you like to play us one of your iconic tunes
3: <laughs> sure
1: so I'm gonna I'm gonna get the mic set up uh, tuned in perfectly mm-hmm. for you do that. I'll do t-
3: tune my guitar I forgot it's a podcast you can just cut things and oh yeah spice
1: it together
4: and make it all look clean
1: yeah that's the best part that's the fun part
4: yeah
3: So. Okay. Would you set that mic, uh, like, maybe right here on the floor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and no. when you
4: sit down, on yeah. That, gonna... okay. <laughs> you looked at me like I needed to get you something else. No, 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 no you're, you're good. What am I getting?
3: You're good, but I, I'm realizing too that I'm gonna be a little. We can.
1: We can move. Do you, you want to move? Too. Do you want me to bounce? You and wanna
3: sit, that might be, trying be good just for. No, this is fine, but um, there's a couple of, of logistical problems. I probably need to move that way to get... Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. you, right here if
1: you want. You go ahead and take my seat. I'll okay, work this recorder.
3: There we go. Oh, shit. There's a lid on that work Okay, on.
1: good. Yes, there is. <laughs> Very tight. Yeah, okay.
3: Your
1: headphones from disaster. Are those shivers? No, they're super cheap mics, for sure.
3: I do have a big voice, so I'm going to just push it back a little yeah, bit. That. You good. Looks good. You good? All right. so this is a song called "Shake Loose." That um, it's probably one of my newest songs. I call it my COVID PTSD song.
1: So I think the way, the best way to do it is every time you're going to play a song, I'll just come down here and get this one going for this mic, mm-hmm. and then we'll have a really nice version.
3: Great. I didn't blow out your levels there with my voice.
1: I think we peaked it a couple times. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. The software will fix it. Yeah, that's good at it. <clears throat> that was really nice. Thank you. So what's the story behind that song?
3: Uh, it's just kind of that... Um, feeling of, like, nothing's, like, COVID kind of, the, it changed our, our our life, my life, and that feeling of, um, I don't know, it's like a consciousness-altering event, <laughs> you
1: know? Paradigm we're, shifter.
3: We're all, like, experiencing the trauma together and, and needing to, like, find some kind of vision of the future to, like, re- work toward. That's fine. I was thinking I could just hang on to it,
1: too. Thank you. Yeah, COVID has definitely been a strange adjustment. It kind of feels like things changed in March of 2020 and then never really changed back, just continued to change, but into new things, not into the old things.
3: And in some ways, I think it's good. Like, one of the lines in that song is seeing things more clearly That um, I'm going to forget my own lyrics now that that I never did before. You know, it's kind of like it's also kind of the scales are falling away a little bit from our eyes as we see some of the things that aren't working. A lot of the protest movements and the things that were like the injustices came to the the surface a little bit as COVID kind of laid bare some of those inequities that were there that we were ignoring a lot. I mean, even we were talking about the homeless situation in Portland earlier. In some ways, you know, not only did COVID exacerbate their situation, but it really kind of let people see that, you know, this is not, this didn't just come out of nowhere either. And it let people really see it a little more, I think, which mm-hmm. in the short term is not great, but hopefully in the long term, it drives people to want to address it.
1: Growing pains. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some been some social growing pains. Do you think we've made progress on anything specific And if you don't, and you want me to cut this out, I'm happy to do it.
3: I mean, I think, um, like, do you mean as a result of COVID or just no, just society? In the
1: last few years, maybe two years, I'd say, there has been some, you know, enormous changes in our culture and Uh society. And I would like to think that there's been at least some positive ones somewhere. And so sometimes I ask people what they think uh, is better about this world as, as opposed to just all the things that have changed for the worst.
3: I hope it has galvanized people to want to change things and participate a little more.
1: I do feel that a little bit.
3: Yeah. That's my one ray of hope is that people might, might feel a little more invested in uh, making the change themselves.
1: You think that that's how we do it is on a personal level. Everyone has accountability for their own actions and together that builds a new more beautiful world.
3: Yeah, I do. I, I think there's different like things that motivate different groups of people, you know, about how, how to change their world uh, without sure. getting I, I don't know with a spectrum of your listeners and their politics. To you know. so be
1: honest, neither do I.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> well, well all are welcome here under this tent, I imagine. But um,
1: Absolutely. Yeah, really. I don't know how much you're familiar with the, the, the lore of the show, but I am an ADHD person who just loves to talk about everything. <laughs> so I'll just ask you questions <laughs> that are... Uh,
3: I have ADHD too. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I it, it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's hard for people to follow along sometimes, but if...
1: That, they know that tuning in mm-hmm. ahead of time. So if we don't finish a story, which huh. I imagine we've probably already mm-hmm. done that,
3: mm-hmm. uh, it's okay. All
1: right. Uh, or if you just genuinely don't care about something, say that. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a perfectly acceptable answer. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um but yeah, I like to talk about stuff just the things that we all know are are questions we should be asking but are are generally like come on, it's such a it's such a drag. Consciousness stuff like origins of the universe. Unanswerable questions. I like to know what people think because mm-hmm. so many people don't don't address it because it's unanswerable, mm. and and the human brain wants to be able to solve problems, you know, in rapid mm-hmm. succession. Um, I I have just like I've almost become addicted to uh, thinking about stuff that I'm not ever going to figure out. Mm. I think it's fun.
3: Yeah, I think it's like so for some people that's as close as you get to the feeling of being religious or God is the if you're not religious is like having that the mystery. As the cool thing, and, and science can be, like, science doesn't have all the answers, but they explore a lot of cool things that they're looking for answers to, and some of it feels unanswerable.
1: That is literally the exact word that I like to use is the mystery, and I'm one of those people you just described, for sure, completely. D- are you a religious person?
3: I wouldn't call myself a religious person. I, I grew up Unitarian, which is as close Unitarian. as I think I ever got to. I don't to. know
1: much about that.
3: It's a, a, a Protestant-derived sect that that kind of, um, of of Protestantism that in the late 1800s in all places Transylvania took root um the vampire religion huh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah some people think of liberals as that way I guess they're, they're very very liberal <laughs> they're very pale uh, back then they were, yeah back then they were more uh kind of, they weren't as liberal so to speak but they they were very much protestant and then it came that sect when it went to india it went to america it went to australia and a bunch of places where it became a very anti like a sorry anti slavery abolitionist kind of church where a lot of um, uh, people took root like henry david thoreau and like uh, some of those kind of transcendentalist thinkers um, so very progressive for their time in the late 1800s and around the Quaker time of the Quakers. And um, and so over the years, it's become kind of like a, you know, they fly the rainbow flag over their altar at the church. And, you know, there's lots of— um, to,
1: to show their support for LBGTQ. Well,
3: the, the philosophy of Unitarianism is that God is love. There's not really a—there's not a hell to speak of. Like, we create our own hell. So, and you can kind of really— if you're Jewish, you could come to a service. If you're Muslim, you could come to a service. It's more like...
1: Almost non-denominational.
3: But still Christian. But, but denominational. Still Christian. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's kind of like the most... My grandfather, who was Baptist, used to call it a club. You know, because it's not, it doesn't feel like you're going there and and t- and having this kind of strict conversation with a scripture or with God or you know in that way. That
1: sounds kind of nice.
3: It's a, it's more of a kind of they talk about social justice issues. When I was a kid, we had refugees that were escaping the civil war in El Salvador, with bandanas over their faces. I remember seeing them in our little coffee area there at the church because they were they couldn't be seen. They like if they did the got they got caught they'd be
1: Oh, they were on the yeah. run.
3: Yeah. Well, they were illegal immigrants and they were, if they got sent back to El Salvador, they'd be murdered by the people who wanted to murder them. So they were wow. kind of like clandestine. And I, that was kind of the stuff I grew up around in that church was like, we're here to fight for the little guy and, and workers and the movement. It was a very like, um, I don't know, they're very very—they're social justice warriors for sure. So
1: did you ever do mission trips, like go build an orphanage in Mexico? or
3: <laughs> Some of those? my... Uh, com- like my kids I went to church with ended up doing that. I, I kind of dipped out of the church by the time I was in high school and would have done more of that stuff. And, by, and then kind of just found my own conglomerate of beliefs. And I don't really have a religion I ascribe to. I would just say... um I, like you, appreciate the kind of bigger questions of like, well, there's an edge of the universe. What's at the other edge of the universe? And then who made that? Who made the universe? And
1: exactly. What was before
3: the universe if there's a universe? and
1: Just wait a few more weeks. James Webb Telescope will tell us.
3: I love that. That is really making me happy. Yeah,
1: I can't believe we can see through time, see a picture yep. back in time.
3: Yes. That may not be there anymore. Yeah.
1: yeah. It almost certainly isn't if it's that far ago, right? Things are always expanding. At least it doesn't look like that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat yeah um but yeah so the unitarian thing i i don't know why i never i've never known what that was i talk about religion a lot and think about religion a lot uh i grew up in the church in a like a it was just called community church but it was in like a non-denominational christian church um over in iwako and um it it you know it was i don't know was, as a kid church is one thing because it's so boring and um but you know even as an adult it is quite boring uh, but you you can learn to appreciate it, you know. I still enjoy going when I go nowadays, which is not ever. But if I did, I would enjoy it. I like the idea of it. I like to sing. I like to gather with people and celebrate things that are good. Just like, just to get in a room with a bunch of other humans and be like, hey, remember that sometimes we're nice, like <laughs> as an animal. We're not right. always just yelling at each other. And it just seems like the world's so full of negativity, It's really hard sometimes.
3: Yeah, and there is also comfort in just knowing that you're all going through the same tough human experience together, and that you know that's I think why people always appreciated the church too is like, you know, yeah, there's a place to go and be like, yeah, this kind of sucks, but we got each other.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and they used to have all a lot more power. Now it seems like they don't have as much power, and uh, they're kind of bitter about it. It seems. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Do you mean
3: that? the organized religion itself or yes yes um i don't know i would argue this organized religion still has a good good hold on our uh on our yeah
1: actually more lately
3: the evangelicals and um
1: the religious right
3: yeah even i mean even what's going on in israel right now gets a little uh puppeteered by some politics that are based on religion in america so i mean i Yes, but maybe on a more local level there's less people attending churches. The Catholic church is struggling to keep people, you know. Yeah, so that's I... what I
1: mean. The income, the, the cash flows is slowed up. But their assets, you know, their list of assets is fairly large. They got a lot of property and art and things like that. I would love to go visit the Vatican. Have you seen like have you ever been there or seen pictures of what's in there?
3: I have seen pictures. I mean, it's it's an epic place. Insane. I, yeah.
1: The amount of art they have. This, just the sheer scale of the wealth, it, of the place. Yeah. The wealth that has accumulated um, since. The 1500s. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I wonder why other religions don't have that same accumulation of wealth.
3: I, yeah. <laughs> Do you have thoughts? <laughs>
1: Hold on. Let me turn this thing back on real quick.
3: I don't know how to get this thing to report two tracks. Oh, and don't worry about it. I will I was only going to say murder
1: anyways. Yeah, you can. I don't even remember what we're talking about now.
3: (laughs) At (laughs) a Catholic church versus
1: other. Oh, murder, you say? Yes. (laughs) I'm listening.
4: Yeah, I think it was mostly murder.
1: (laughs) What do you mean by that exactly?
4: Well, I think they came and they, you know, the Catholic church had a lot of power and gold, and I think they just kind of. Went out and found other religions and just started, sort of just kind of took them out
1: one by one. And They did seem to do that a lot. <laughs> that makes sense, actually. Yeah, colonization. That's yeah. probably how it was done.
3: There you go. Yeah, I would have given you my world history take on it. Yeah.
1: Are you, do you, do you, are you pretty into history like as a enthusiast? Yeah. Do you have favorite history podcasts or anything like that?
3: Yeah, Dan Carlin. Dan ah, Carlin. Yeah, that yeah. was
1: what I was hoping you'd say. <laughs> yeah. That stuff he did about Genghis Khan. Yes. Incredible.
3: Yeah, he's, he's amazing.
1: Yeah, and he's not even like a a professionally trained historian, I don't think.
3: Yeah, I think he does it more as a caveat. I feel like he's like two steps away from having a doctorate, you know, like oh, like yeah. in in some kind of like reality, he could easily be one. I think he's just wants to make sure that he makes clear that he doesn't have a doctorate. But that's probably what it comes down to.
1: Okay. He's yeah. a great storyteller.
3: Yeah. And he knows his sources and he knows his stuff probably a lot more than some professors <laughs> do, I, I'd argue. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Genghis Khan is an like a fascinating historical figure. Mm-hmm. Just th- think about the amount of influence that one person had in the genetics of the world. Some, mm-hmm. I, I forget what the percentage is, but it's a very high percentage of people have uh, his DNA.
3: Yeah, and we might have some in us. I know. We don't know.
1: Have you ever done your DNA, like 23andMe? I, have,
3: I haven't done the 23andMe, like genome stuff. I've done um, Ancestry because we were doing it for our family. So I've got back to like... Like, I've got more of the bigger picture of my DNA. Um,
1: Where are you from? Where are your genes from?
3: Half my my father's... My father's side is pure uh, Ashkenazi Jew um, from, like, the... uh, Most recently from the Russian part of the world, like, Ukraine and uh, uh, Lithuania. And then my mom's side is a good, like, a third English, like mattering of danish and like kind of scottish and then there's a good chunk of german as well so oh cool very very western european on half on the half of it and the other half is ethnically jewish
1: I, I, I don't know why, but I ask people this a lot. I, just, I always wonder also, is it, is it rude to ask people that? Like, you're not supposed to ask a woman her age, but I just ask you about your DNA. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I think we, don't, we haven't established cultural norms on this one yet. It's still fairly new. But um, thank you for sharing that either way. I find that stuff so cool. Like, I have yet to meet a person who is all one thing. I haven't heard anyone yet. Everyone's a mix of something. The Great American Melting Pop.
3: Thank Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, I didn't write that. Oh, is that a Schoolhouse piece. Rock?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, I think my high school English teacher made us watch this uh, Schoolhouse Rock video. And yeah. It's always stuck with me. I, I, liked the, I liked the jingle. Schoolhouse Rock was great. Is that one of your musical inspirations? Did you listen to it as a kid?
3: I mean, I definitely caught... I was born in 79, so I, when my, my PBS childhood watching, like viewing was very much like like reruns of seventies, like Electric Company and Sesame Street and mm-hmm. all those other ones. So yeah, I'm, I'm, it's there somewhere in my subconscious.
1: They were great. Yeah, yeah. kids shows now are weird.
3: Yeah, very and very like gentle. Yeah, they don't like. They try to be keep it very like everyone gets a trophy. Yeah, like
1: no one's getting like their PC. head smashed with an anvil. Yeah, no one's exploding. It's right. just like come mm-hmm. on, they're not learning the hard
3: life lessons of Wiley e. Coyote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: There are some good ones. Like I really like certain shows based on the animation uh, or this that it has really good storytelling. You know, I watch a lot of kids shows. I, I little have little kid. kids. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you. Well, so what's your parenthood situation?
3: <laughs> I'm I'm void of children, though Jack has uh, some grown. Grown children. Grown children.
1: Yeah. So, do you have grandkids? No. No,
4: they're not quite that grown. Not grown
1: all the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no kids shows then. I guess we can't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I was actually going to say, what did you think, uh, what did you envision talking about when you agreed to come on the podcast?
3: <laughs> actually, uh, I was hoping it would be a free form ramble too. I, um, I enjoy that format. So, I. I was hoping uh, we could we could shoot the breeze about whatever came our way. I, having some ADD myself, I'm okay with going in a million directions.
1: Yeah, it makes it much easier. Yeah, I, do, I even I prepare like a, a list of uh, bullet points or questions, a little mix of both usually, and uh, I go over that before. But most of the time, it's really hard to even stick to that because mm-hmm. like the very first thing that we talk about will lead to a thousand bird trails, and before you know it, you're done.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So,
1: it, which I like podcasts that do that. I've I've got no problem with it.
3: It's a, it's a right brain kind of like yeah. zone right where you're it's kind of time, time passes hopefully for the people listening to nice and uh, fast yeah if
1: we ever get too boring I'll th- throw some music behind it make it make it interesting <laughs> <laughs> the yeah I, I don't know I, I used to worry about that a lot more but the just like Jack said earlier you can stitch together whatever you want like you don't even have to uh, have a plan if you don't want but when you do it does usually go a little bit better. Hmm so what are you excited about in your life right now? What's it, when you try to think about something when you wake up in the morning, the first thing that comes to your head, what is it that that's getting your motors running?
3: Well, my boyfriend's sitting right next to me. So I feel like contractually, I have to definitely say having my boyfriend in my life. That's that is that. <laughs> that's pretty nice. Well, that, that's a, it's a plus um, having a great dude in my life. Um, but I would say primarily outside like work, work has its own kind of soul feeding quality to it.
1: How long terms. have you two been together?
3: It's about a year. Over a year. A year and a half. Mm
1: -hmm. How'd you meet?
3: Tinder. Tinder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. Covid Tinder. Covid Tinder.
1: Oh, that's a risky place. (laughs) How did that work?
3: Um, uh, I swear. Yeah. If you want to pull that down a little
1: bit, (laughs) you can both talk on it. Just point it right in the middle. Swivel it a bit.
3: How did How did it work to like meet up during COVID and all that? Uh,
1: Yeah. Just I mean, tell me about the tell me about the early time of your romance.
3: We We met up for a walk for our Mm -hmm. first date. Yep, mm-hmm. walk at Tabor, Mount right? Tabor in Portland. Yep, yeah. and
1: uh, socially yeah. distant outside. Yeah, masked up, uh, maybe double.
4: Nah, no, we're, we're risky. <laughs> uh, one mask.
1: So. <laughs> That's plenty. Uh,
4: then was uh, walk. Then we decided to go eat. Oh, get a drink. Then we got a drink mm-hmm. at a some bar that was doing outside seating. And what was it? Thirty degrees outside. It was pretty. It cold. was really cold. Was and wintertime. then we found a place to eat dinner and our uh, some hot pho. Yep, hot foe action. Mm-hmm. And uh, our walk turned into like a six-hour date. So
3: Yeah, and yeah. then he nice. gave me a little pick, o- pick on the lips. I'll, Off we went. After asking very nicely if he could.
1: Get you to sign a consent form, I'm sure. Yep. It's in COVID, the you know.
3: consent for <laughs> <laughs> <gotta> have duplicates. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I imagine that was not easy to branch out romantically during that time.
3: It wasn't, but it also, I felt it like kind of was because we had our... Our own world, kind of, in a way, where we...
1: Once you connect with a person, it does become easy.
3: Yeah, we, it was good company. Like dating through the Walking Dead season. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly, that's a-, a good analogy. <laughs> yeah. And we got to get the fun challenge. Like, Jack likes to have adventures, and so do I. So we, like, he had just gotten a new all-wheel drive Subaru, and we he, on our second, third day, he, like, took us uh, driving through a blizzard up to the coast where we, like, yeah. tooled around in his new car right. and had fun. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of Subaru? Crosstrek.
1: Oh, those are great! I had one yeah. of those for a little bit.
4: Yeah, it's a nice new sporty engine, so it was like a little more powerful. So we we tested it out.
1: What think. does it have? The boxer engine? Mm, yes. Those, yeah, those are 2. really cool. Two point four. Nice. Liter. So yeah. Yeah, for
4: a little, yeah,
1: for a little car, they really stick to the road. They've got some power. Yeah. I thought that was a really fun car.
4: Yeah, it's just, she had a lot of nerve. Uh, I'd never driven the car in that conditions, and we went zipping around.
1: I bet it did fine, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah they're they're made for the snow. Easy. They're made for this area, basically. Like. Yeah. I'm so su- yeah. Everyone here has a Subaru yes. or should, and a Patagonia jacket. That's like the stereotypes. Um, I went, I went and saw uh, comedians in Portland a couple times. They all do the same crowd work about Portlanders and how we've all got beards and flannels and Patagonias. It's so easy, like, because yeah. when you go, not even just Portland. I, I mean Portland, but the whole Pacific Northwest. It's a very much a look. Like we yeah. we have a certain vibe about us. Do you like that? Because you didn't come from here originally, you must have gravitated towards it, Rose, or and Jack, whoever you got. I, I came we're from all the way,
4: and uh, I came up here, and I was uh, very much like resistant to falling into that look. I, I had a. I had an unhealthy hatred of puff jackets.
1: Oh so. yeah, you definitely thought you were better than us for oh, sure. From LA, for sure. Now
4: he has a puffer jacket. <laughs> now I have a. Pu- I'm I've, I've falling. They're great. Yeah, yeah. That,
1: yeah. I was, I was packable, efficient, warm,
4: dark rimmed glasses. Yeah, yeah he's
1: yeah. getting the look. <laughs> <laughs> trying
4: to be a contrarian, but I, f- I fell in. I, I, I'm, I'm not part of the sheep. Yeah,
1: <laughs> growing up here, I fought it a little bit. Just uh, not one to be what everyone would expect, mm-hmm. but if, you know, past the age of 25, I think that it's a futile, a futile uh, attempt to waste energy in your life trying to control what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, actually, I, that may not be true for you because you're you. And trying to make a mu- music career, or even though if it's your side gig, or either way, you're trying to sell a product, a creative product. Do you try to carefully um, kind of fashion an image that way, or do you just let it flow?
3: Um, that's a good question. Well, and I would say that's like the other thing that mainly keeps my motor going, you know, is, is the music part. I dabble in graphic design and kind of marketing is part of my job. So I, I try to put it like, it's a, it's easy for me. I have three projects. I have this band that we're kind of talking about today, Rose Gerber and Sweet Relief. And then I've got the lady lady trio called Yellowbirds and I've branded all of them for the most part. And um, it's easy for me to do that because we're like a group of people and we have a a music sound. Um, My solo stuff, I I have a harder time kind of identifying myself on its own as like a brand because I, you know, you do you, like I do me, I I write the songs I want to write. I, I, you know, wear jeans and boots and (laughs) I'm not like a fashion diva. So I, I try to come from it as like you, I am who I am, and uh, whoever that comes across, I guess, is my brand. I don't like try to shoot for anything. I try, but it's also hard for me to like. If you ask me to to encompass what I what I look like or what I sound like, it's it's. I mean, it's hard for anyone to do that for themselves. I think as a
1: unless an somebody artist. you paid is telling you exactly yeah. what that is.
3: Yeah, and then then you wrestle run the risk of having to fit into that mold all the time. Which yeah. some of my favorite artists are people who never really let themselves be branded or pigeonholed um, and have put out a variety. They write in different genres and they try out different looks. And, you know, I I feel like that's...
1: Yeah, I like the ones who go full bore into one and then can just switch on a dime, like Mm -hmm. David Bowie or Mm -hmm. Madonna or Lady Gaga. I find that fascinating that they could be so invested in something and then not feel this it almost feels like dishonest to try to put on a, a persona even just in this podcast like the hardest thing i have to do is to try to do social media and like like try to ask people please come listen to what i've made because it's it's like i don't want to trouble you just you know whatever but um i think with music it's especially hard because i think what people actually want the very most is authenticity and they just yeah. want they want to listen to somebody who's like speaking from the heart and actually real. But how the, to market that, like, who is the ideal listener at that point? Like, what do you tell the algorithm to, to target it? Like, the SEO. <laughs> Hashtag
3: <of that>. authenticity. <laughs> yeah,
1: it becomes tricky. Yeah, that, that stuff is is way more layered and complex than I ever knew about. But, yeah. Do you have somebody who manages anything for you or
3: do it all yourself? I do it all myself um, because it's just what I've gotten used to and I've never had the resources to pay someone to do that um would I love someone to step up and do that work would I get off much further ahead as a musician if I had someone doing that work for me absolutely but um I've just indeed it really the whole time and gotten you know good at managing bands um but I mean I think if that's kind of the catch-22 being a modern musician you're either the way you get known is you either tour um as a young person or older, but like you, you have to have no day job. Like if you want to tour, like you should tour to get, build an audience and get the, the interest of a label or a festival, like you need to have a following and you have to tour to get a following for the most part.
1: And there's still no guarantee that you're going to have security forever. It's, right. it's a very risky yeah, If endeavor. you
3: take that risk, and I had that choice in my early 20s, I was like, I'm either going to go for this. And at the time, I personally didn't feel as, I think I knew on some level, I didn't feel as developed as an artist as I want to be to take that risk. I feel more where I should be. Like, I, I feel like now I'm hitting my stride as an artist.
1: When did you start playing?
3: Um I was probably, I was 19 when I recorded my first album, so...
1: When did you start learning how to play the guitar or sing or play instruments?
3: Uh, When I was, when I was basically as early as I can remember, I was singing... Um, like harmonies with my mom. Like my parents both play guitar and piano. So we sang a lot, like campfires. So
1: you learned it as a, as like one of your first languages.
3: Yes, harmony f- especially. Um, and then uh, picked up the piano when I was like five or six. My parents put me in lessons. And then the, <laughs> i talking about the, like a little callback earlier, talking about music in schools. I was fortunate enough in second grade that there was a pretty comprehensive music program. And they walk you into the auditorium in second grade and they show you all these tables with all the instruments and they're like, pick your instrument, essentially. And I don't know why, but I decided I needed to play the flute, maybe because it was easy to carry um <laughs> me too so yeah.
1: no no shit i'm i really did
3: oh for real yeah i was, right on. I was,
1: I was like a gigantic fat fourth grader who played the flute I it was love a terrible that.
3: no it's there were so few men flute like there That's I, why I, I, did, I did it as like a
1: joke it, like a long played joke <laughs> at, at 10 years old and <laughs> I mean, nobody got it yeah anyway sorry i interrupted That's great. you go on no
3: i love that story um yeah so uh, you, then you understand like the the it's actually not an easy instrument no, to just very pick hard. up. Very you hard. have to learn the embouchure and like breath control, which actually helped me with my singing in the end. Yeah, um, a
1: lot of diaphragm with the flute because mm-hmm. you, you don't want to be tonguing the whole time.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Other lessons of life there. And then. Um, <laughs> I mean, sure. Some tongue. Some, some tongue. But you don't yeah. just want to hammer it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, we're gonna get along great and um, so then uh, uh, after that kind of I played flute, I was like learning like Mozart and stuff by the time I was in high school I was a pretty advanced player but then realized as I was getting into the music and playing picking up guitar I'm like flutes not cool like I can't just like unless play you're in a band <Toll>. exactly <laughs> and I knew I wasn't going to hit tall status unless I really committed my life to it so uh, or Lizzo at this rate so oh, I Oh yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <So>
1: <laughs> she's I, bringing the flute back.
3: She is, bringing the flute back. Um and so I went uh kind of off the flute track and picked got I never really to be fair like learned like I I could be so much better at guitar than I am
1: do you play with tabs or you write music or how do you do that
3: I I, I'm, I know chords um, and I mostly I I don't read tabs but sure though I, at one point I someone taught me and I forgot um, I I point to my guitar sometimes to my band and I'm like I'm playing this chord can you guys <laughs>
1: so your hands know how to play it even if your your frontal lobe doesn't
3: yeah I'm more self-taught I've probably had about six or seven guitar lessons in my life
1: like, do you have to translate from any kind of a written musical language into your hands or do your hands know how to do it do you know what I'm asking is that make does that make sense like I I'll give you an example to just to kind of clarify what I mean um, I drive a spray truck so like an agricultural spray truck, you drive it down the farm and it sprays out the side fertilizer or whatever. And it has a ton of switches on it. The first year that I did it, it was extremely difficult mm. to, to both drive a vehicle, manage like dangerous stuff around and also still run the sprayer and the computer and the tracker and all that stuff. So um, it was really hard. So I have very like clear memories of being very sweaty and just like wanting to cry all day. Everyone's mad at me. It's a horrible experience. And um, I was constantly confused and fumbling, and hitting the wrong switches and stuff. Within two years, uh, I was pretty good at it. And now it's been 10 years. And I haven't thought about what my hands do while I'm... Muscle memory. Yeah. Not even... I don't have to think about it at all. They just... They do stuff that amazes me sometimes. <laughs> like that I, I... I'm just like, I don't know how I did that. But they just reach out and push the right buttons and adjust things and just... Things just happen. And um, that's what I think good musicians do. I, I feel like that's that has to be because when you watch some someone play and they're just like they're feeling that they're not. Mm. There's no thought going on. It's just like flowing through them.
3: Do you ever do you ever see? There's a movie called Shine, like a long time ago with Jeffrey Rush about the savant piano player. I
1: don't think I did. There's a
3: scene in that Was movie, it like
1: Franz Liszt or something.
3: It's like 1998 that it came out. It's Which who's
1: the ago. who's the piano player?
3: Uh, he's, I don't know that I could tell you his name. He's an Australian actor, um, kind of awkward, lanky dude. Hmm. Um, but he, in that there's a scene which he's learning from a great master, uh, piano player and he's learning Rachmaninoff, which is like one of the most complicated pieces you can play as a piano player. And he's like reading the music and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he's like, you have to learn it and then forget it so that you can play it without the music. Like, like learn it and it, then like I'm gonna take the music away and he's playing pure passion without reading the music because you can't be fully present you know when you're like you know kind of doing that or working the sprayers yeah. as you're trying to like get in your zone. so there's there's something to that that you're that you're talking about. I think there's like a when we practice as a band as regularly as we can and I this band Rose Gerberts, we really have been together for six years now. We're in our, we're like, we're, our sound is so effortless in a lot of ways that it wasn't like three years ago because we, we know our, we know it so well. So part of it's like effort and practice.
1: So you can really lean into your bandmates.
3: Yeah. And, and it is muscle memory. Like, uh, we know we've practiced like a sufficient amount for a song. Like this gig we're playing tonight at Fort George, uh, the, There are songs that maybe we've practiced once in the last like six months but we when we play it live or we practice the one time before the gig we're like yeah we got this like we know this song so well because we've been playing it for six years it's like riding a bike we know it without having to think about it and Mm -hmm. that's nice but but you kind of have to work really hard to get to that point you know, um, and not yeah. and even even then I'll my, I hear my bass player. Sorry, Mark, hitting like a a certain like flub that you know, he's been playing this song for six years and he still somehow grabs like a a flat note on a on the bass.
1: But you know it is, and you hear it because you've heard it so many times. So you notice every little thing, probably, huh?
3: Yeah, yeah. He he has. I don't think he might be saying this. He has ADD too. So he, sometimes it'll just be like he's seeing a squirrel and forgot yeah. the note. <laughs> it
1: turns out a lot more of us have it than than people knew. Yeah, I, I heard a statistic the other day that. Um, yeah, well, no, it was about autism, but there's a lot of undiagnosed people with neurodivergent brain types. It's very common, and it makes a lot of sense. They weren't exactly looking for us back in, back in the day it, it, until really recently. But it'll be interesting to see how the world changes to kind of accommodate that um, just more awareness that that's a that's it's not always a like a disease. Mm-hmm. Like that's basically the only people who have been recognized and um, incorporated into the the public narrative of like who we are as a people. Humans are the ones who have caused the most problems for other people or made life really difficult for those around them uh, or been so obvious in their expression of uh Symptoms like problems with daily life that they had to be recognized. But mm. anyone who gets by is just people. Just will let you keep getting by. It makes a lot of sense, really. But um, yeah, it's I've been researching a ton about ADHD and all that autism and everything because I'm I'm a dad and I'm neurodivergent myself, and it's it's kind of been groundbreaking to find out some of this stuff. I didn't pay nearly enough attention. Um, I went to school for psychology, mm. and um, I made it through that whole degree without really uh taking a really hard look at myself and I was even being treated for ADHD but didn't really think I had it mm-hmm. I thought man, I probably don't have it but no I definitely do
3: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and and women and girls too have a different present differently so yep it's harder to kind of nail down in them too
1: yeah so those stats on underdiagnosis are even hard to really trust because it's like who knows mm-hmm. how many women there are out there undiagnosed yeah I can picture quite a few in my life. If you guys think about that, can you think of people oh, yeah. who you're like, Oh, everyone called her a ditz, but yeah. really she just had ADHD.
3: <laughs> really? Oh yeah. My mom too, like uh, I know where I got it from. And I used to like walk into her room and be like, Mom, mom. And then I'd scare the bejesus out of her because she was zoned out on something. But and I thought it was just because she was space case. Yeah. But she was hyper focused on the dishes or whatever she was working on. Yeah. And there are plenty, like plenty of people, women I know who or like me and we get along real well and I'll be like, hey, you know how you do that thing where you kind of maybe trip a lot or like forget something a lot or where you can't never find your keys? Have you ever thought about the fact that you might be ADD? And they're like, oh, I thought I was just like an asshole. <laughs> That's the thing. is.
1: <laughs> My bad got a little feedback. Um, but yeah, you're right. That happens so often. People will internalize these negative perceptions about themselves. Be like, oh, I can't be trusted. You know, I never show up on time or whatever the thing is. And it's it sucks. So it, I think that will change people. Yeah. I, I know it's already changing. I, just, I had a teacher in here the other day, and she's talking about how kids are a little bit more accepting of just being different now than mm-hmm. they were when I was in high school. And uh, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Things Things are... Good. It's You got to make space for the weirdos.
3: Yeah. And the weirdos bring a lot to the table.
1: They really do. I think that the, especially the ADHD brain, mm-hmm. imagine how good that would have been in a hunter-gatherer society, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. where you, your value is established by how much uh, shiny things you can bring back. <laughs> it's
3: like, oh, I'm going to be good <laughs> you at have this. Yeah, i rock that. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's nice. But yeah.
3: Yeah. I And I, I think, um, yeah, I've been more comfortable to just telling people. Like at work or because in some respects it's like I need them to know so they know that like a, if I'm forgetting something it's not personal or if it's not or I'm not actually bad at my job I just
1: yeah, have a bad brain. Or if you forgot something, it it doesn't, they can tell you like it, it, they don't have to walk on eggshells. Believe me, I know I'm forgetful. It's, it's not something, (laughs) you're not telling me anything new. It's, and even if it is kind of embarrassing to me, maybe it's, it's, maybe that's okay too. Maybe maybe it should be a little embarrassing and I'll work a little harder next time. You don't have to walk on eggshells just like to accommodate, um, at least me, I, I'm just speaking for myself. I, I mean, like, there's a lot of functional people with ADHD yeah. who who the accommodations are really just like, be nice, be understanding if they mess up. Like, right, that's, yeah. That's about it. Comic courtesy. Empathy, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and there is kind of a, um, like, a it's not a, a, a drawback sometimes to be able to do the things we do, multi- like, despite our, our divergent brain. So, mm-hmm. like, it's actually pretty impressive when you think about what, how we adapt and compensate for what we can't do super well and still manage to function somehow.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're making plenty of accommodations daily yeah. just to be able to live and fit in in the world mm-hmm. as well as we do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we're we're getting pretty close to being out of time. Do you want to play a few more songs?
3: Yeah, sure. I could play, play another one here.
1: And then uh, we'll let – do you want to just go out on that and we'll – um, close it up and um, you can finish with music
3: yeah that sounds great
1: thank you guys so much for being here this has been a lot of fun Yeah, really, absolutely. and thank you for letting me ask you crazy off the wall questions and talk about all kinds of stuff you yeah, guys like, were really good sports about it right on
3: it was great to talk with you
1: alright so I'll set the mics up try to get it to sound perfect <laughs> I'll
3: move out of your way
1: Okay. alright um, let's see I'm going to take this down there Do you want to maybe yeah, run I'll the a a tablet, tablet? I'll do uh, that. Run yeah. When you say run the tablet, oh, it's pretty much just push record. Okay, I
2: can do. All right. Should be. Is
3: there? There's like a Nesbit that's like a musician, right? Like a. I wouldn't be surprised.
1: But i don't know one off the top of my head um buzz lightyear in toy story when he goes crazy he says his name is mrs nesbitt that's that's one way we're famous (laughs) a kid uh, accosted my wife at a festival yesterday he's like hey how did you get your name in toy story
2: (laughs)
3: I might just do this one song, if that's okay, because I'm going to have to hit the restroom right soon. Yeah, totally. Too much (laughs) coffee. Which is my uh, ADHD medication, essentially.
1: Yeah, I'll make it run right through (laughs) you. Is it
3: recording now, or do you need the red dot
1: hit? Uh, yeah, yeah. I need the red dot. Okay.
3: All right, this song is called "Memories Someday.
5: Rivers dry, golden rods blowing, creeping of waning sunlight, dream at night of white Dusting off those things tucked in the cellar, trying hard not to cry. Never thought they'd be memory someday, waiting for There's really
1: was great thank you thank you for tuning in everybody talk to you next week bye-bye i hope you've enjoyed this episode of ramble by the river if you did it really helps us out if you leave us a rating or a review like us on facebook instagram or twitter and if you want to get more involved and support the show you can subscribe to our patreon page for exclusive content bonus episodes and a ramble by the river t-shirt with every royal rambler subscription after three months instructions for how to join are at ramblebytheriver.com click the subscribe link and it's easy peasy lemon squeezy thanks again for listening come back next week bye
2: nobody